It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everyone. I'm Al Lunsford, your host. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. It's so great to be here. We got a great show for you tonight. My dad is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. That one's for all of my SNL fans out there. But seriously, no, we have a great show. My dad and I got the chance to play Harbor Town recently, about a month out from the tournament. We walk you through our entire day, go through the round, cover some signature holes, things to look out for at next month's RBC Heritage, the week after the Masters, Easter week. Easter Sunday will be the final round of the Heritage here on Hilton Head. On top of that, we answer our topic of the week and ask, what is your favorite club in your golf bag? I'm going to switch things around and do that after the interview with my father. So tune in later in the episode to hear our reader answers to that question. See if you agree. See if you have anything that matches up to people's answers. We had some good responses. Thank you again. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell anyone you know to sign up for our newsletter. Go to linksmagazine.com. Click the Get Our Newsletters link and enter your email to sign up for our weekly newsletters. And and then we also have a real estate newsletter. Get that sent directly to your inbox for free. Stay up to date on the best places to travel. We always have a good list to throw in on those newsletters. Embrace debate and join the conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, so let's dive right in. Here's the conversation with my dad, Greg Lunsford, on Harbortown Golf Links. As many of you have experienced in your life as a a fan of the game, player of the game, you probably have relatives that play the game. Anytime you get the chance to play a parent-child round somewhere really special, whether you're the parent or the child uh, in that scenario, uh, it is something to remember. And fortunately for me and fortunately for my guests today, uh, we got to do that very recently, actually, as of we're recording this, we played yesterday at Harbortown Golf Links down here in Hilton Head, and the aforementioned guest joining us today is my father again, who all our listeners probably know our, my, my dad. He's been on the podcast before, and I had to bring him back to grace you all with his presence, so dad is recovering. Well, not really. I, I'm actually the one recovering. He put, <laughs> put the beat down on me. Down at Harbor Town. Um, we'll get into that, but uh, Dad, safe trip back to to Burlington NC, and I understand you have a, another golf trip this weekend. What do you got lined up for yourself? I do. Hey, Al, how are you? Uh, great, uh, great day yesterday uh, at Harbor Town. Uh, a uh, tune-up. I'll be going to uh, Pinehurst uh, with the fellas uh, this uh, coming weekend. We've got. Uh, 20 of us that are going down to uh, Pinehurst to uh, enjoy a couple of rounds down there. We were a bit worried that because of how well my dad played at Harbortown, uh, his handicap may drop a little bit right before his big guys weekend. You never want to see that to give some strokes to your buddies right before. But I mean, he really did play well. I thought it was a course that, you know, fit 
his ideal type of strategy where you don't need to swing out of your shoes uh, to to play well at Harbortown. You just really need to know where your ball is going, and he did most of the time, especially off the tee. Uh, that's very important at Harbortown. But, again, we were graced with, I think, the best day so far of the year here in Hilton Head, about 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, and, and a little wind. Both he and I commented that that wind is actually welcome because it, it adds a little bit of a, a character, a flavor to the round at Harbortown. It makes it a little bit more difficult. It's already pretty pretty tough and tight, but the wind gives it something extra, especially on those last few holes. Dad, I know you've been down here with me and, and to Harbortown, see the, the lighthouse, just the area, but uh, what were your, your first impressions of arriving there at the actual Harbortown Golf Links clubhouse? Yeah, um, you know, I'd seen the uh, from the lighthouse looking back up the fairway at 18, and that was my uh, extent of seeing the golf course before. Uh, but I was just kind of uh, taken back. Um, the, the clubhouse is, is magnificent, um, but uh, what's more magnificent is, is just the, uh, the layout itself, the golf course with all the trees, with all the Spanish moss, um, of course, it was wonderful for me to see uh, green grass. Our, our fairways here at uh, Alamance Country Club in Burlington are, are dormant, as so many are up in North Carolina now, unless you oversee, we do not. Um, but to see not only uh, green plus grass, but, uh, you know, tour grass and tour greens, and what a beautiful, what a beautiful place it is to, to, to play. Um, I have a newfound appreciation for it um, just from the uh, walking the course itself. It was just it was just fantastic. Yeah, we have just under a month until the RBC Heritage, uh, the week after the Masters Tournament. Uh, of course, they go down to Hilton Head every year. And so the golf course right now is in impeccable shape. I can assume it'll get a little bit better. You you had the infrastructure going up. You had back tournament tees closed. Uh, so they are getting themselves ready. Carts were on the path. We, uh, we gave that some thought whether or not we'd want to, to ride around or uh, Harbor Town has great little bag boy push carts for you too. So you can take a caddy, uh, you can take the push cart, do a four caddy, you can, you can ride and have a four caddy. Um, and so we decided on the push cart uh, before even that, though, I was kind of walking my dad around the, the clubhouse a little bit, and we decided to eat there at the, the Lynx Grill. We were both wearing Lynx golf shirts, and the hostess may have thought we owned the place. So we got a pretty good table there in the, in the shade of a nice palm tree on, on the back porch, and that's a great, great place. I would recommend anyone who's going and playing around go have breakfast at the Lynx Grill there right in the clubhouse before you're round. It's a great way to start. If you happen to go on the weekend, they have bottomless mimosas. If that's what you're into before you get started with your round, but really good uh, egg sandwich or, or just something to get you going. Everything's right there. The putting green is there. The driving range is just a short walk away, maybe a, a pitching wedge away from the back porch. And that was a, a great start. Yeah, it, it yeah. was. There's an awful lot of Southern charm uh, with that, uh, uh, outside venue 
Um, a lot of ambiance, uh, looking over the golf course where people are uh, you know, getting serious about their game on the range and on the putting green. Uh, the food was just great. The service was terrific. Um, and it just was a, a great way to start the, uh, start the day. I think there's probably a, a piece that we could do at some point on the best back porches in golf uh, with a lot of uh, competitors on that list. Uh, I've been to quite a few good ones and that one, that one's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, I, I had never played at Harbor town with the, the grandstands and the tents going up for the tournaments. So that was new for me. What wasn't new for me is the course I I've played there a few <clears> times. <throat> uh, so I did my best to intimidate my dad before he actually got to the first <laughs> tee. Didn't seem to phase him. And I, I told him our, our publisher, Jack Purcell, uh, told me he likes to play a game at Harbortown in particular, where if he's playing with a few guys, throw in a little money into a, a pot and the last person to hit a tree in their round wins the, the money. And it usually ends up going pretty quick because you may not make it past the first hole, let alone first tee ball before a couple guys get eliminated. We had two good drives. But then I think I lost the bet on my second shot. I hit it up in the Spanish moss, and that thing was gone. Uh, we have no idea. There is a, a Lynx Bridgestone number two somewhere up in a tree uh, on the first <laughs> hole of Harbor Town. might shake down during the middle of the tournament. Uh, you never know. But uh, nonetheless, it, it was a, a good start, and uh, we settled in. We both had pars in the next hole, so we were right there into our round. Um, Dad, I'm, I'm curious, it, maybe it was from the first tee ball or, or maybe not. When did you kind of realize uh, you were at a unique piece of property? Um, well, even before the, the round started, as we had already talked, but uh, truly on the first hole, it's not an overly long hole, um, but it, it became evident to me that uh, trying to bomb it and, and, and swing out of my shoes um, what was not the answer. Um, you know, you can be intimidated by uh, these old mature trees that are hanging over the fairway and seemingly uh, uh, encroaching on any opportunity to, to hit a good ball. Um, it is, it can be intimidating. It can be um, uh, almost there's no room for error. I, I prefer to look at it as um, a wonderful challenge, trying to figure out where I need to hit it so that I have an opportunity to, to score well. Uh, and that didn't uh, involve trying to hit it as far as I could. Uh, it did involve playing different shots that I was tickled to have a chance to play, shots that I don't normally get a chance to play uh, because I don't play Harbor Town. Uh, but it was just fantastic. And I knew from the first hole that was going to be the case. That's the key. Every shot is one you really have to think about uh, where you're going to end up and how you're going to get there. Um, in fact, it's Coming up in our spring issue that just got released, it'll be in homes very soon, uh, we had a piece on the golf's ultimate test of precision by Joe Passoff, and his choice was Harbortown. Uh, it's, it's placement golf at its finest, and That's there good. are, I, I think it's spot on. Pete Dye uh, and Jack Nicholas, who also contributed to the design, did a good job of uh, hiding things that I know 
And you told me that I would benefit from having played that course once before the next time I get to see it because there are three foot pot bunkers. Our, our four caddy was trying to explain it to us. Harris and just kind of put his arms out and he's like, it's about this big. It's over there. You can't see it, but you don't want to be in it. Uh, <laughs> that happened more than one time on the day. Harris was great at giving us the impression of, or his uh, opinion of the par threes, uh, what he said he thought were the best on tour. The first par three you get to is the fourth hole. Uh, that comes after that short, short-ish par four first, par five second. That's reachable again if you're in the right place, and uh, another about the same length as the first hole, par four, where you want to be in the right place off the tee. You can get blocked out on the left or the right depending on how far you go. The fourth hole has uh, a creek cutting from the front right to the back left, kind of wraps around the green. Uh, its mirror image is on the back side. The uh, 14th hole, we'll get to that a little bit later, but overall, how do, what was your impression of those par threes, Dad? I, I tend to agree. I think they're all fantastic. They were. Um, uh, the fourth hole you're talking about, I, I call that the white bass hole because that's where I hit my ball in the water. Um, but I made a heck of an up and down for my four. Uh, but that's a, uh, all the par uh, threes were just uh, magnificent. The, the seventh hole having to hit the drive in between the trees was, was, was fun. Uh, the 14th hole that you just described uh, kind of inverted from the fourth hole uh, that's the one with the little pot bunker on the one side and the water on the other side. And, and there's, uh, you have to hit a really, really good shot to get it on that green. Uh, and it certainly does reward that good shot. But then 17 is the final one coming in. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but uh, what a fantastic hole that is. Credit to you. That was your only lost ball of the day <clears throat> there at four. Uh, the white bass that, that got away from you, but that was a, incredible shot from a a not exactly friendly drop zone you had about 95 yards still over the water from that drop area uh to the back pin and and credit to you you put it to a foot and a half and i got like kick in range yeah that was I good for me i think the first six holes are have their quirks um but aren't anything really crazy uh once you get to seven i think is when you kind of see something you haven't seen before you described it's another the other par three on the front side and you're kicking it over a pond onto a green completely surrounded by a bunker and through a, a goal post basically of two large overhanging trees it actually the closer you get the tighter it feels like it was than even what you saw on the tee I just, that's the first time I've ever parred that hole is when we played it yesterday. Um, I never played that one good, but uh, it is a fun one uh, before leading into the hardest hole on the course right after it, uh, number eight. That is of any hole on the course, I think number eight is the one that requires an exact precision level of shot on the drive 
and the approach if you're going to have a two putt par uh yeah. you need you need to be on it on that hole and i think that's why it's number 1 on the card yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic hole um and and you started by saying that the first six holes were quirky i think i'd rather use the word character um they were uh, all individual uh, you know really fine golf holes um but you're right once you get to seven it kind of opens up a little bit different uh and that eighth hole was um it'll be fun to watch that during the rbc um to see how those guys play that hoping that uh, we get to see some of those first uh, uh holes on the front side yeah i think they'll be way further back than we were on that hole yeah well they I don't, don't know if that opens it up or not yeah we hit it a lot farther that's true and then nine is uh, when you talk about being exact, you you have three hundred yards basically. Uh, so you you're putting an iron or hybrid in your hand. You you could drive it. You had driver in your hand initially uh, and were talked out of it. But if you're gonna hit driver, you have to hope for some sort of good look at that heart-shaped green as it was described to us alice die designed the green at the ninth in the shape of a heart or her it's, sweetheart it's her sweetheart yeah. Pete. That's either, a great that, either that or it's like a pac-man mouth because you have three bunkers in a row right behind <laughs> it some of the nastiest bunkers you'll see anywhere uh i ended up in two of those we don't have to talk about that <laughs> but that's a that's also a hole i've never ever played well and just you know full discretion i have never played well at harbor town it fully has my number and <laughs> i think i know that but i was feeling okay on the on the first tee and then when my shot got gobbled up on one it was like oh you again here we go <laughs> but nine is a funny little hole uh before you make the turn halfway house right there behind the ninth green right attached to the big old clubhouse uh and then you get to 10 you get your first whiff of the calabogie sound uh, as you can see the 16th and the 17th off to your right 10 i had a stroke of luck or maybe a little unlucky i about blew yeah. up the hole on 10 i've never done or seen that what from your point of view what what do you see my second shot on 10 was one to remember for me. What, what did you see there? Yeah, it seemed like you had about 140 yards um, and had to hit it over the trees. Um, and uh, uh, you flushed it, uh, and it looked good coming off the face of the club. And then, uh, doggone, if it didn't hit in the hole. And at first, I thought you had absolutely jarred it for a two. Um, and then, unfortunately, the unlucky part is that hitting the flagstick and the hole at the same time um, you know, the ball bounced back, you know, some 25 yards. Uh, so you had, a, you would have been uh, a couple of feet away at the worst, and uh, then you were off the green. So that was truly unlucky. Yeah, that was like a three-shot swing for me. It was devastating. <laughs> I really needed that at that point in my round. If I was, was going to get it, that was going to be a great time for it. Uh, that stretch of holes going back to eight it's a stretch of six par fours in a row uh so if if par fours uh are your nemesis on the card 
these are four really all of them are tough i think i think that is the hardest stretch on the golf course right there before you get to uh 14 which is not an easy hole either yeah. but uh it it's a they're hard but they're they do they have so much character uh they challenge they're 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 great holes right i think you if you have played it once before you maybe know how to play them better but as being your first time did those kind of confuse you a little bit as to where you needed to be yeah well uh again shout out to harris our our uh our caddy uh what a fine young man he was by the way uh southern gentleman from alabama uh just a, a joy to talk to and, and spend the day with so really really pleased to to have met him uh, but he was very helpful um telling us um you know what to look out for where to kind of uh where you can't hit it and score well um uh, and i found his uh his advice um, very, very, uh, very good, uh, and gave me a, a level of confidence to go ahead and try to play the shot, which is what you want from a caddy. Uh, so in addition to being, uh, you know, a, a good uh, gentleman, young man, uh, a lot of fun to be with, he was very knowledgeable and very helpful. So he made the course uh, a lot easier from that standpoint. Yeah, that's definitely true. Of those, let's see. <clears throat> I don't know where I was hitting the ball on those holes. Uh, 11, 12, I got, had some bad breaks. Uh, just hit a couple of wayward shots and really soft sand that uh, had me hitting sideways out of a few bunkers. Uh, that 13th hole, you start getting into the holes that you're going to see on the telecast. And that 13th hole is, is really unique. It's the uh, island in the sand type of green of really probably three three and a half foot deep bunker oh, at um, least i don't know what you'd call that shape i i i like to call it like a tongue you have like the, the tongue of the green in the middle of this big expansive waste bunker yeah the green's uh, essentially in the horseshoe of the sand um, right surrounding yeah. it on all three sides so uh, heck of a hole then you get to 14, you look back at where the pros are hitting from on that par three, and that has to be an intimidating tee shot. Uh, like we said earlier, it's kind of the polar opposite um, of that fourth hole where you have the water actually coming in from your left and continuing down all the way on the right side of that green. Right behind that green is maybe the nastiest bunker on the course. Uh, if you go just long and left, you're faced uh, in about a, a pot bunker with the diameter of about about three feet. Can't really get a stance in it. You have to hit a bunker shot that lands on a down slope uh, with no tall grass in between the green and the, the planks, walking the plank into that water. Uh, something I found myself faced with when uh, when that happens, the caddy actually lines up on the other side of the hole to make sure that unless you, hit, unless, unless you hit the perfect <laughs> bunker shot, basically you don't lose a ball. So that that was a nice touch, but um, tough little par three. Fifteen, 
is your par five where you see the guys lay back and try to hit it over the trees. I mean, that seemed, unless you're huge off the tee and can hit a really high three wood, that seemed hard to believe, but they do it. I, I promise you, I've seen them do it. Uh, I look forward to watching that hole just about as much as any for that shot because seeing the, the height of, a, of a, the pine tree uh, that guards that shot at the green is uh, I, I don't see how they'll do that, but I, I know you're right. They'll, they'll hit that shot to the green for the second shot over those trees that are huge. That's where you start to see a lot of the grandstands pile up because that's where people are going to be signature stretch of holes starting with really with 15 and then getting into the last three where you're on the water. Would you put one of those 16, 17, 18, would you say that was your most memorable hole of the round? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I wasn't prepared for 16. That was a a fantastic hole and the way he designed it. So so when you uh, dog leg left, once you get to the um, uh, curve, uh, you feel the full brunt of the prevailing wind uh, coming off the sound uh, for that second shot. So that was that was great. And uh, again, I'm glad we had wind that day. Uh, I wanted to play the uh, course with a little wind. And so that made it uh, that much tougher and that much more enjoyable. It's easy to say 18 is the uh, most memorable hole for obvious reasons. Um, it's the, uh, the hole that's depicted when you think of Harbor Town, the lighthouse in the background. Um, it's a great hole um, uh, over the sound, over the sound a second time. Um, a fair hole with plenty of room to bail out to the right. But 17 was my favorite hole uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I thought it was just a, a great hole. And we played it, I think it was 170 yards, 169 uh, with the wind in our face uh, and or, or quartering, I guess, from right to left. Uh, but it was a, at least a one club, maybe a two club win. I chose to play it two clubs. We both hit... Uh, Really good shots on that hole that uh, uh, went two ways in the air. Uh, my ball trended to go right uh, with a little fade, but the wind threw it back on the green. You hit your ball that kind of uh, hit up against the wind and fell straight down in front of the green, uh, but you were able to play a, uh, a masterful hybrid, a little clique uh, to uh, a back pin, uh, a kick in from, I don't know, uh, 80 or 90 feet. Uh, I was able to putt uh, two putt for my par, and uh, I, I know we both parred some holes together, but parring that hole with you, that was that was memorable. Uh, uh, the hole sits right on the sound. There's boats out there in the sound. Uh, that was the sighting of our uh, bald eagle that we saw uh, flying. So uh, I'll remember that hole uh, more than more than the others. Yeah, I think for a, a lot of reasons, it's. It gets overshadowed probably by 18, but that hole is so great. That's a dandy. It it is a dandy. Gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. It it requires a lot of strategy from you off the the one shot you have towards the green. And uh, yeah, for whatever reason, I that little little clique bunt hybrid is has been my friend, and it kind of comes naturally. So that's a great shot. You'll you'll see me doing that a lot. Uh, But yeah, you. You hit another good tee ball there. Apparently, you don't have many groups that have all pars. I didn't even mention the fact that we started the round thinking we were just going to get paired with another twosome. Um, obviously, it's 
tough to get a tea time right now at Harbortown a month before the tournament. And it just so happened to work out that uh, my dad and I were a twosome by ourselves. So we were definitely, definitely blessed in that way to just end up being surprised and having the, the course to ourselves in the middle of our round. Yeah, that, that made uh, a wonderful day. Um, we've uh, been paired with lots of folks playing and uh, lots of wonderful people with uh, games a lot better than ours. Um, but uh, it, it was always uh, a fear of mine to slow somebody else down. Uh, but uh, it sure was uh, nice and enjoyable just to, uh, to enjoy the walk uh, with, with you and, and Harris. Sure was. Uh, so 18, I really, I hope it blows during the tournament so we can see how the pros handled that 18th. It was hard enough in our face where we were a little bit worried about clearing the, the first <clears throat> row of marsh. We, it turned out we, we were fine uh, and cleared it pretty easily, but we're still left with 215 with the wind playing 225, 230. Uh, towards a very small green and a, a lighthouse distracting you in the distance uh, on what is probably the whole everyone recognizes from Harbortown. Tough finish. I, I, the Tough first time finish I played it, right. the first time I played it, I thought it was a par five um, <laughs> without looking at the scorecard. Um, but it's even from the, the white tees where we were, it was 414 into the wind. Yeah. It's and, all you uh, want. It's a dandy. Yeah, you're going to have to, again, hit two really, really good shots or um, a good third into a, a pin, a tightly tucked pin with the calabogie sound and all the marsh, a big bunker right in front, giving you every reason to fret your shot, um, no matter how you approach it. But uh, it's it's always great to stand in front of that lighthouse and get your picture taken right at the end uh, yeah. of a great day like we did. Beautiful day, beautiful golf course, and uh, uh, love the opportunity. And you got you got yourself a piece. That was, I mean, one of the better rounds I'd ever seen you play, just from a management standpoint. I thought you you handled yourself well uh, and <laughs> thought your way around the course in a way that I really did not. So I learned a lot from you and how you approached Harbor Town. Uh, hopefully, the next time I play it, we'll. I'll be able to translate some of uh, what you you taught me, uh, <laughs> and that's that's what a father does for a son, right? Shows him the way. Uh, you know, I do the best I can, son. Keep practicing; it'll come. Sure, sure will. <laughs> uh, on the note of hitting the ball really well, uh, we have our reader poll that we do every week. Uh, this week, we asked our readers to answer the question: uh, What is your favorite golf club in your bag? So obviously we know this is going to have a lot of variety to it and everyone's got their own favorite club, whether that's a specific, uh, specific club, specific brand, uh, or just a number. Uh, I know we, we got a lot of good answers from this one. Dad, you, you have an, a new addition or two to your bag. So I don't know if that will be your choice, but what would you say is your favorite club right now that you're swinging? Uh, right now, it would be uh, my new driver. Um, once every 25 years, a, a man ought to uh, get a new driver. Uh, and uh, thanks to uh, your mom um, for Christmas, um, uh, that was what she gave me, uh, was a, 
club fitting from our local PGA professional here at Alamance Country Club, uh, Drake Woodside. Um, and uh, that was just an enjoyable experience. I know that uh, you had talked about that uh, maybe last year, having done that. I had never uh, experienced that. And just going through the club fitting process was tremendously helpful and eye-opening to me. Um, and he was just great uh, at, uh, uh, and I tried, golly, eight or nine different drivers and shafts and wore myself out. Uh, but uh, he uh, recognized that uh, this uh, Tideless TCI3 driver, I seemed to hit a little better than the other ones, um, maybe a little bit more forgiving, uh, maybe a little bit more, a um, few yards off the club. Um, but uh, the main thing is that it just instilled a confidence in me that I had been lacking. The club that I was hitting, it wasn't a persimmon wood, but it was the next best thing. Um, and so it, uh, it uh, has uh, freed me up a little bit. Uh, I've gained a lot of confidence uh, through that process. And, and uh, golly, my misses don't seem to be quite as bad as they usually are. Uh, so I'm uh, uh, treating myself to better drives, at least so far, so good. So yeah, uh, thanks to your mom and a wonderful Christmas present. Yeah, that's a great uh, experience. Yeah, shout out to mom there. I don't know if she can hear me in the, the living room back at home, but, uh, what a great experience the fitting is. And you talked about just freeing yourself up, knowing that you have a club that's built specifically for you. Uh, the misses when they come are not going to be as widely dispersed. I, I hope everyone can have that feeling over the golf ball. Uh, I would highly recommend the fitting and the fitting itself is almost like a lesson too. So it's kind of a two for one deal, uh, when you go and get that done. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's as good as I've seen you drive the ball consistently like that. I think you only missed one. So keep that train rolling, dad. I know you got a big, big tournament this weekend, mid pines, pine needles. Looking forward to it. Perfect. Uh, well, cool. Thank you so much for your, your time, dad. Thanks for the wonderful experience, uh, yesterday at Harbor town. And I enjoyed running through the round with you again. Uh, in my head while it was still fresh, but I, I don't think that's one I'll soon forget. Thanks for making another great memory with me out on the golf course. Uh, thank you, son. Harbor town was a special place indeed. Uh, I hope to be able to get back and play there again sometime, but, uh, more than that, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity that you and I have to play. So, uh, thanks again for a, a great day of golf, a great weekend, and, uh, look forward to playing again soon. Me too. Love you, Dad. Love you, son. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with my dad on Harbortown. If you played it, I hope it helped you remember some things that you may have not thought about in a while since the last time you played it. If you hadn't played Harbortown, maybe it'll give you something to look out for, uh, or at least watching the golf tournament coming up here. God, that place just eats my lunch. I've never played well there. At this point, it 
it is a thing. It's stuck in there in my head. So I'll keep chasing that white whale. I'll let you guys know if I happen to turn things around and put a good round together. But it's hard to go from 1 to 18 without a couple of slip-ups on the way on that course in particular. Even if you're dialed, you can just get in the wrong position. But avoiding the big numbers, minimizing the damage, that's what it's all about at Harbortown. Nonetheless, it's just a place that you walk around and you just smile because it is so unique. And it's a PGA Tour course. You really can't complain anytime you step foot on that property. Okay, let's get to our topic of the week. We asked our readers to answer the question, what's your favorite golf club in your bag? Knowing that everybody's bag is different, everyone's game is different, these answers are really entertaining. I love when there's some elaboration on it, not just, you know, 8-iron, 6-iron, whatever it is. When you answer these questions, give me something to work with. I want to be able to share individual answers that have some substance to them. Keep that in mind when you're answering these questions that come up in our Sunday newsletter. My dad referenced it. He didn't outright say it, but for me, my hybrid is my favorite club in my bag. It's just so easy to hit for me. You can do a lot of different things with it. Like we talked about, I'm a little nervy around the green with tight lies and with wedges. And so sometimes I just put that hybrid in my hand treat it like a putt and I don't know it just kind of feels comfortable for me it works it takes a lot out of the equation in terms of miss hitting the ball you know my level of risk goes way down when I put that club in my hands and it's just trusty it always has been I know the answers to this question are kind of along those same lines this is just a club that you trust a club that you know when you get it in your hands you just feel good There's little doubt in your mind that you don't know where the ball is going. That's what we're looking for. When I think favorite club, that's what it is for me. It's not about looks. It's about performance. And a lot of your answers, I think, stemmed on that same thought process. So here we go. The first answer that jumps out to me is Jim B., who says his seven would. That's before the hybrids really existed. I had this Cobra seven would, and that was always my favorite club the heaven seven just so crisp so easy to hit and before hybrids were a thing it was the seven wood the old trusty i loved that club i think it's still sitting in my closet back at home maybe my dad can verify that for me probably a little bit shorter than what i'm used to hitting these days charlie f says my putter without a doubt i have a ton of confidence in it and i typically save more rounds with this club It's a Scotty Cameron Phantom X5 that I've had for four years. I've always played Scotty Camerons, and this one is a winner. I, too, am a Scotty guy. I actually got my Scotty Cameron. It's the only one I've ever owned. Still have it. And it's from, it was actually a a present to me for getting my Eagle Scout. Shout out to all the Eagle Scouts out there. For that accomplishment, I got to choose a club of my choice. That's what I was interested in. And I wanted a new putter. I wanted a Scotty. So I've always had that Scotty in my bag. My dad talked about getting a fitting. I've always wanted to do a putter fitting too because of course I'm comfortable now that I've been playing with that Scotty for over a decade, but I'd be really interested to see if it's really the right fit for me, if there's more that I can do. I've been very intrigued by putter fitting. Hopefully I get the chance to do that, and if I do, I'll tell you guys about it. Steve B, always been my 7-iron. I can't explain why it's always my easiest club to hit. I always called it my tweener club. Yes, I think versatility is an important, at least for me, aspect of 
my favorite club. I can do a lot of things with it. It's not just a one-trick pony. But maybe for some people, it's just one club because you're solid with it. You know the yardage. You know what you need to do when you get it in your hands. But like Steve, I like a good a good tweener where you can manipulate the shots that you want to hit. Ray R., this is a great answer because some of these clubs, I guess I didn't really realize you went up this high, but he says, the favorite club in my bag is my Callaway Big Bertha 13 Metalwood. 13! I have played with it or a replacement found on eBay for 30 years. Callaway only manufactured them for a few years. They stopped when hybrids became popular. I hit it the same distance as a four hybrid, but it's a lot easier to hit if you have a slow swing speed. When people see my 13 wood, they are amazed, and I have an 11 wood too. Ray, that is awesome. If you're listening to this, email us, send me a picture of your bag. I'd love to see those clubs. A lot of people going with the putters on here. This may be a a controversial one. I don't know how I feel about this, but... Barry B. says, I bought a perfect club about 30 years ago, and though golf club technology has improved greatly over the past 30 years, I have yet to find a hybrid that's as reliable as the original perfect club. Now, I don't know about you, and maybe I'm thinking of something different, but those clubs that you see on commercials that are specialized, individual products, this will add 15 yards to your drives, these these type of things that are maybe a little bit gimmicky. I've never felt right about that. If if I had one of those clubs in my bag, I would. I think I would feel self-conscious about it, almost like I was cheating, but uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Because for me, it's like you took the easy route, a, a club that I don't even know if it would be allowed on the tour. Would have to do some more research into that, but am I off base with that? Let me know how you guys feel. A few more here for you. Bill H. says, my 58-degree lob wedge, it can be magical at times, and then forget how to hit shots. It will send shanks screaming into the abyss and bladers flying over the green onto the next tee, but it certainly keeps golf from getting boring. And it sounds like your favorite club keeps you on your toes. That is a, a fun one. A little bit shaky for me. I don't know if I would consider my favorite club one that half the time I'm sculling it, sending hosel rockets, who knows where, but hey, whatever works for you, Bill. Along those same lines, Peter A. says, it used to be a two iron only because there is nothing quite so sublime or pleasing as a well-struck two iron. Unfortunately, it was a very rare occurrence, but worth the wait. Now I don't even know where you could find a two iron, certainly not in my bag. Peter, it's funny you say that because right now in my dad's bag, he's carrying around this ping one iron. And he used it a couple of times at Harbor Town. It's a novelty, but but yeah, he's got a one iron. You certainly don't see many two irons these days, but it has to feel good when you catch the sweet spot on one of those high irons. Our friend Sandy M says, I'm a senior female, and my favorite club is my 35-degree rescue that a friend made for me 14 years ago. Oh, handmade. My average length is around 90 to 100 yards but over the last few years, I've learned to grip down and make it work for much shorter shots. I love this club. I've asked him to make me another, but he cannot find the same head. I'm careful with it. It would never get shipped with my golf bag. And if it were lost in transit, I'd be lost on the golf course. There's definitely a level of attachment that Sandy is describing to that golf club. I can appreciate that. 
And like me, she likes the rescue. So, Sandy, hang on to that thing as tight as you can. Lastly, Dan B. says, Driver, let me bomb it. Please let me have an eagle putt on a short par four. Yes, Dan, I know we all love to hit bombs. And if you listen to me, you know I'm a fan of short par fours as well. Keep swinging, my friend. That was another great poll. We'll have another good one for you next week. We're inching closer to the Masters, and we've got some Masters-themed podcasts coming for you to wrap up Season 10. So keep listening. I appreciate your support, as always. Thanks for reading. Thanks for being a fan of Lynx. And we'll catch you again next time. This is Al Lunsford signing off for Lynx, the best of golf. <laughs>